Welcome to a Neon Jazz interview with Kansas City's Ambassador of Sound, author and host of KCUR's Fish Fry every weekend, Chuck Haddock. In his role as the Director of the Sound Archives at the Mars Sound Archives, we discussed an audio and cultural gem in Kansas City. Housed in the Miller-Nichols Library at UMKC, the Shrine of Vinyl is hugely impressive and is at over 350,000 pieces and growing under his fine stewardship. During the course of our conversation, he shed some light on the collection and his role over the years, along with much, much more. Dig it. Talk to me a little bit about Gaylor, Gaylord and Olga Marr, the beginning of the Marr archives. You know, the Gaylord Marr was uh, a professor of communication studies. He taught the history of the media. And he was a pioneer in using um, audiovisual material in the classroom. Uh, there was quite a different time when he was teaching in the 60s and 70s what he would do is he would bring in um, like cassettes of music to illustrate his lecture or historic broadcasts to illustrate the points he made in the lecture. For example, if he's talking about the immediacy of radio, uh, he'd bring in uh, uh, the audio of the crash of the Hindenburg, where the reporters watching the Hindenburg come in and covering its arrival and sees it explode and yeah. just it just puts you right there. Yeah. Uh, and also, he was a pioneer in looking at music in a cultural context, um, social, political context. Yeah. Like for example, Irving Berlin uh, talks about how talked about how music is a reflection of the society that produces it. If you look at the music of the 1920s, this new music, jazz, it became to define that era. Yeah. The music of the Depression tells you a lot about those hard scrapple years. And Gaylord, that really was where the way he looked at music and, and historic recordings. And he and Olga gave the Foundation Collection of 43,000 sound recordings uh, to establish the sound archive. He'd been trying to establish a historic collection here since the 70s. And then in the 80s, when uh, Dr. Sheldon, Dr. Ted Sheldon, came aboard as, as the dean, uh, he picked up the ball and ran with it and established it. And they hired me. Uh, in 86, in December of 86, I started in January of 87. And when I came here, there was a room with nothing in it but Stella the Music Box. <laughs> and so I had to get a handle on Gaylord's collection and transfer it over here. And then I think they probably hired me because I knew all the record collectors in town. Yeah. And I could help them build the collection really uh, fast. Sure. What do, you, what do you like the most about coming into work every day and being every, here? Every day's different. No day's the same. Yeah. Um, there's always that element of surprise, that email that pops up that needs to be tended to. I like helping people, uh, you know, find things in the collection. Um, I like working with the material in the collection. Uh, primarily what I do anymore is I do collection development and community outreach, reference, uh, and public services. Really, I work with the folks as well as collect the records. Yeah. I'm kind of like the public face of the Sound Archive. Nice. So when somebody comes in here and they want to experience this, how do you want them to feel when they leave? What do you want them to take away from the Mar Archives? Well, just I want them to find what they want. I want them to be satisfied with their service and the materials that they found in the Sound Archive. That's really what I want them. Yeah. Also, you know, I'm, I'm a little vain. I also want them to say, oh, wow. Yeah. And they usually do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> There is a wow factor to the collection. It's amazing. It's amazing. Speaking of this collection, you've seen all these recordings, all these albums. If you could go back in time and witness 
a couple of these events, a couple of these recordings, what would they be? I would go back for the Kind of Blue session yeah. uh, with, with Miles and Bill Evans and, and Paul Chambers yeah. and Cannonball. And, you know, that, that would be the, the, the recording session I'd like to be a fly on the wall for. Yeah. Just to see, it would be interesting to see how much Bill Evans influenced the musical direction of that session because when I hear it, I hear Miles, but also I hear Bill Evans, yeah. so you yeah. kind of set the tone for it. Oh yeah, Bill was big in there, for sure. So over the years, we start out with, I think it was 46,000, we're at over 350,000 pieces. Now, how is this growing over the years? Have well, you seen well, it? It grows primarily through gift. Um, individuals that collect records uh, eventually need to find a home for those records because, you know, the if a, if a collector passes on, his wife then looks at those records and says, gee, this is all the vacations I never took. This is my new car. And they want to find a home for it, and they want to assure that the, the legacy of the loved one is 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 perpetuated. Yeah. And that's really where it comes down. Or people move around, or they move on to CDs, and they get tired of their old piece, so they give them to us. Yeah. Uh, that's how the collection's been built. So with the prevalence of vinyl coming back, how important do you think the archives are going to become? Do you think it's going to become more and more of... It's going to become more and more important over the years because in, in a lot of instances, here is where a, these only the place these records are going to live. Yeah. Um, you know, the major labels, the labels are not making a, a, their catalogs available anymore. Yeah. Things have gone out of print. Right. Uh, and also the LP, you, you always want to listen to the source recording, and, and rather than listening to Kind of Blue on a CD, I prefer to have LP because it's warmer, yeah. and the dynamic range is greater. So I think the, the, the collection become more and more important in the, in the future because this is where our recorded sound history is it lives yeah. right here yeah. uh, in these historic voices, uh, historic events, and the, the radio collection. Jazz. This is the only place you're going to find him in the future. Yeah, the one thing that's interesting in our tour, I I noticed some fear with like storing these on digital. Why are you so much more comfortable with them being in a physical format? Well, because any physical format will last longer than the digital file, except for some of the acetate discs that are breaking down or tapes that are breaking down. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people ask me, do you record everything? No, I don't, because the the object itself will outlast a digital file. However, if I've got a deteriorating tape or acetate disc, I will record that and preserve that audio signal by storing it in the server farms down in Columbia, for sure. example. So, speaking of people coming in and experiencing this, tell me how that works. Do they come in and listen to it? Do you make recordings for folks? Kind of give me an overview. It, it depends on, uh, on the, what they're looking for, what they're interested in. Uh, what, what the material is, for example, if they come in and they want to hear an LP and I've got two copies of the LP on the shelf, mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty common LP, uh, maybe a comedy record by Dick Gregory or something, you know, they're interested in the in that, that whole African-American comedians of the 60s, for example. Yeah. I'll pull the record off the shelf and let them listen to it on our turntables. We have good turntables. They, they uh, Under our supervision, they, they can listen to them. But if they're interested, say, for example, in an instantaneous cut disc uh, that's unique, a unique item that's fragile, we'll transfer it to CD and let them listen to the CD rather than the original. Yeah, That's the way that works. Okay. They just come in and request what they want, and we just uh, pull it for them, and they listen to it. Cool. So as the, uh, as the more archives have evolved over the years, 
you're moving into a new realm right now. You're going to store them all in big metal cases. You're moving the collection out. Kind of talk about that migration. Well, it's going to be a, a slow process. We're, we're three to five years down the road of loading the collection into the robot. The main thing is in order to load into the robot, the collection has to be cataloged because you've got to be able to find things in the collection. Yeah. And it all has to be barcoded and stored properly. And it's a pretty labor-intensive process. Also, it has to be very done exactly because, it, you know, you don't want to lose anything. Yeah. Access to anything. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So beyond that, what do you see as the future of the Mar Archives? When you think about 20, 30, 50 years down the line, what do you envision for the archives? I envision that, that we have, we... I always say we collect yesterday, today, for tomorrow. And I think the collection will continue to grow. I think our services will continue to expand uh, thanks to the new media. Yeah. Uh, I think we will become more of an international resource than we are even today. Yeah. And I think we will be preserving the recordings that are made in the future, as well as uh, collecting more historic recordings. How long are you going to stay here? I don't know. I think they'll probably have to stuff me and prop me up next to the jukebox. <laughs> Put a record in my hand. Yeah. I'll stay here as long as I'm enjoying it, and, and I do enjoy it. Wonderful. That's the perfect place to stop. Okay. That's wonderful. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming back. Thanks for tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest musicians and institutions cultivating jazz. And a huge thanks to Chuck for his time and tour of the Mar Archives. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. And for all things Neon Jazz, the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Thank you.